Welcome to More Than a Few Words, a marketing conversation for business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we believe that marketing strategy should be delivered in plain English. This is Lorraine Ball. This is Jared Jewett. And this week we've got a special guest. Okay, it's it's our new intern. Hi, I'm Natalia Welch. And we decided that this was a topic everybody should participate in, and we hope that you'll actually share some comments and thoughts after you hear today's program. We've just gotten finished watching Super Bowl ads, and we definitely have some favorites and some not-so-favorites. Yeah, I think we have some pretty strong opinions on both sides of the fence, though, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to talk through these. And I'm going to kind of start off with there are clever, interesting, award-winning advertising that doesn't sell product. And in my book, that is the biggest sin that an ad executive can commit, is to create fabulous, beautiful advertising that does not sell product for their clients. Right, spending money just to spend money and just to stroke egos, at least until next year, right? Absolutely. And so the, the one that I think is the biggest offender, the, the Budweiser Buddy Puppy Dog. Oof, so true. You just saw that little puppy and you were like, I had no idea that this is for beer. All I want to do is cuddle with that little dog all night. Absolutely. I want to take him home. He's adorable. But that in no way enticed me to go grab a bottle of Bud. Not even close. No. And yet that ad, two years in a row, Buddy the Puppy has been the number one ad. And so it's sending completely the wrong signal to Budweiser. Their ad, everybody loves it. And so they keep spending money, and I can bet there will be a sequel next year, and Buddy will be back. Oh, yeah. Again, for the attention and for the popularity, they'll, uh, they'll spend a couple million dollars for sure. But, but I think it's going to be very difficult for some of those ad execs to prove that those ads are really pushing product out the door. Um, but at the same time, they're all over the internet. Everyone does want to watch them. Buddy's become sort of like a brand icon of his own. Absolutely, Buddy and the Clydesdales, but neither of them are selling beer. Which kind of leads me to the ad that I liked the very best. And I'm probably alone in my love of this particular ad. Oh my God. So you're talking about the attack on craft beer by, uh, by Anheuser-Busch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I watched the, um, the Budweiser, um, the Hardway ad... And when it was over, my thought was, good for them. I felt the exact opposite. It felt like an attack, right, on people who, who enjoy craft beer. I mean, literally, all, all of the messaging was, you know, we don't care about, you know, what did they say, pumpkin peach ale. We, and, and, it, and the whole thing was, you know, was, was some classic rock over images of, you know, hipster guys with beards and glasses you know, sniffing out this dark uh, beer, right? And then they say, this is not us. And then they show images of, of, of a barkeep, you know, pulling down the tap and pouring out some, what I consider to be kind of gross-looking bud into a, <laughs> into a glass and saying, you know, this is the working man's beer. And, uh, I was in a similar situation there at the party I was at. Everyone just stopped. Like, we listened to the first pop, like, 10 seconds maybe, and we were like, this is horrible as we all sat there, craft beers in hand, sipping and ignoring the Budweiser. But that's the thing. Too much advertising today, too many marketers are trying to be inclusive. 
and they water down their message so everybody will love them. And the truth is, when you water down your message, trying to get everybody to love you, your core customers aren't sure that you're still for them. This ad was a huge line in the sand where Bud said, you know what? We love you guys. And what was interesting is on Twitter, they got bashed up one side and down the other the morning after. When I was watching the ad bowl, they got a lot of kudos from professional marketers who understood what Bud was doing. And when I looked at the Budweiser Facebook page, which is their community, quote after quote after quote of, Love you. Know why you you know know why I buy your product. Yeah, man, that's right. I don't give a flip about craft beer. And so Budweiser with that ad did something really gutsy. They drew a line in the sand and they said, This is who we are and this is who we aren't. Did they turn off people who were in the middle of the road? They ran right over those oh, people. Totally. Oh, destroy them. But if you were always a Bud drinker oh, yeah. and you saw that would you be more likely to go out and buy more Bud? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they know the guys that are going to, the, the people, I should say, who are going to love this commercial are the ones with, you know, callous hands, flannel shirts, been drinking Bud for 20 years, and don't drink craft beer anyways, mm -hmm. right? And then the people they offended, the craft beer lovers, are the people who don't drink Bud anyways. So it doesn't matter. They're not, they're not you know, wasting any other money there. Mm -hmm. They're just enforcing uh, some brand advocacy and loyalty among the people uh, who have always bought their product, which is smart. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it is a tough thing to do. It is a risky decision. I get that, but I really respected the the fact that the marketing manager in charge of that campaign said, I'm going to do it. Yeah, and it's brave because I don't know if you know this, but they very, very, very recently brought an, bought another small brewery. I want to say they're out, out of Illinois called Elysium, right? And, the, and the, the owner of that brewery said, we actually essentially had to sell ourselves to Bud because we were hurting so bad, you know, and we were kind of proud now to be part of this family. And oh my goodness, it's two months later and they're essentially attacking what we do, and it was very off-putting, and he, he, and I can't remember the owner's name, but I know he had a social following, too, but sending some really weird messaging, so you're right, whoever that marketing manager was, was that ad manager was, uh, really, really took a huge risk. What they did is classic brand management. Back in, back in the day, at Procter & Gamble, they had half a dozen soap lines, and their Soap products would literally attack each other. They would literally do marketing campaigns between one Procter & Gamble brand and another, and they would go after each other's market share because each brand was treated as an entity unto itself. That's what that campaign is designed to do. It's designed to look at the Anheuser-Busch portfolio and say, I'm Budweiser, and all I care about is Budweiser. I'm this craft brew division. Coca-Cola does it. You know, they sell Dasani bottled water, and a lot of the marketing around bottled water is water is good, soda is bad. Mm -hmm. You know, it's classic brown marketing, but it just, it, I think it caught people off guard. Oh, absolutely. So, what else did you like and why? Well, I definitely have to say my favorite was the Mexican avocados. 
that's such a clever ad. You're sitting there and you're getting all excited. They bring it back to sports by saying it's the first big draft. And you see all these animals. And I love the way they personified the avocado. It was just wonderful. And he's excited he's going to Mexico. And you sit there and you're like, I'm excited to eat you in my guacamole. Well, and the thing that, and I, I think some people got it and some people didn't. You know, the polar bear and the sombrero, I loved the idea of a polar bear wanting to be in Mexico. He was heartbroken that he didn't get in. He was, and he also looked remarkably like the Coca-Cola polar bear. Now you, I don't know if you remember those commercials. They may be a little before your time. I've seen them. They had them all around the holidays. Mm-hmm. But he, he really did, so it was sort of that... Sorry, dude, you don't get to be an avocado. You you know, second place, you can... I mean, there was a subtle second place you can be part of the Coke family. Oh, perfect. It made sense because it was also a party message during a party event. Absolutely. Okay, my favorite commercial, hands down, was for Loctite Super Glue, <laughs> right? A product oh, that sounds ridiculously boring, right? Mm-hmm. That you could never do anything in an advertising sense to make it exciting. And they just put on television this absurdist yeah, video of, of crazy-looking people dancing with fanny packs full of Loctite glue and using it for all sorts of crazy things, whether it be to fix their glasses or to pop the pops off off some soda bottles. And it was ridiculous, but it was amazing because that's one of the few that I actually really, really remember the whole thing all the way through. And it, um, it is funny, and I liked that the product is the hero of the ad. Oh, yeah. You know, he really kind of nailed it. Um, and it, again, it was kind of that fun party atmosphere, which I really kind of want to sort of talk about a little bit is this year there was a large number of what I call public service ads and some real downers. Now, there was some good messaging, but what did you think about trying to deliver those messages to a room full of people who were drinking beer and eating avocado? It was risky. The first time you saw that nationwide commercial with the little boy, your heart just broke. And you went from that to, I believe there's a funny commercial just before that, so you're laughing at Mindy Kaling in their nationwide commercial, and all of a sudden they're like, this little boy has died. How do you react to that? Not well, in my opinion. That's so weird. You know, you've got to figure out who's doing their kind of demographic research to really figure out who the heck is sitting in that living room, you know, watching the Super Bowl, or even, and they know plenty of people are like at a bar watching this, right? So so how do you make the decision, let's, let's put something like a public service ad you know, worth six or seven million dollars in front of people who are otherwise trying to, yeah, have a really good time. It, it just seems weird to me. Well, the one that struck me as kind of odd, I understand the NFL has come under a lot of heat for domestic violence and, you know, their players acting out. And so I understand why they carved out the money for that, but... I would have suggested they run the ad leading up to the Super Bowl and after the Super Bowl. Because even though the demographics are right, the setting was wrong. Yeah, absolutely. So, $4 million a pop. I think that this is probably one of the toughest decisions that advertisers have to make is, do you play or don't you play? And then, if you do, what do you share? I in general, was not overly impressed with a lot of what I saw this year. 
no, I agree. There for me, there weren't even that many memorable ones except for the ones that made me laugh. So yeah, I agree. And some of the ones that were memorable, like you were saying, Lochte glue. I didn't even know it was about glue. You were telling me about it. And I remember those funny people, but the product wasn't there for me. Yeah, the ones that'll be remembered are the ones that the brands can afford after spending four million dollars for the first spot to run throughout the year. I was really surprised at how few Coke and Pepsi ads there were. Some of the big names that have always, like I, the um, Michael Jordan, um, Magic Johnson basketball playoff, uh, where they were shooting, you know, a few years ago, I think that was one of the beverage companies. The Coke-Pepsi wars, there was none of that this year, which I think... Um, perhaps is an indication that advertisers are losing their taste for these very expensive ads. Yeah, it, it's got to be. I mean, Pepsi already has, you know, the halftime, most of the time, uh, kind of tied up. So for them, I don't think it's as huge of a, of a deal. But yeah, I mean, Coke had just one ad, and I don't even really remember. I mean, I know it had to do with someone on, like, a road trip maybe, but that's all I remember. So. I don't know. I disagree. I thought the one Coke ad was really striking, where they had, like, the liquid being poured all over the electronics. Oh, that's like, what it Why was. did that just happen? But then at the same time, it kind of left you with a happy, happy message by the end. So yeah. I appreciated that. I mean, and I think that was the thing, is that they kind of went that sort of public service route, you know, anti-bullying, send happy messages, love the world. I just thought it was weird that there was only one ad. So, we could go on for hours because there was certainly enough material, but we all have to go home. So, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, if you'd like to share your thoughts on your favorite commercials, go ahead and put them at the bottom of the blog post. We'd love to hear from you. This has been another episode of More Than A Few Words. Thanks for listening.